Hello, and welcome to The Recon Rod. I'm Dane Cash. And I'm Cosmo Catalano. And we're here for show number two of three for the 2019 Vuelta España. We're checking in here on the first rest day after the first quote-unquote week, a nine-day week, because that's how Grand Tours work. And boy, has it been uh, a pretty good start. It's crazy. We're, we're not even halfway into the race. It's, it feels like every day has been a thriller. Even the sprint stages have been pretty fun. Yeah, good. Good is a relative term. I think there are some riders who are maybe less than stoked about... Oh, uh, fair. Good point. ...about the intensity of this opening week. Yeah, but as a fan, I don't think you can ask for much more. Uh, you've, you've really had this great rotation of different guys in the leader's jersey with this sort of secret race bubbling underneath the the rotating cast at the at the front it it's been really cool yeah so as of stage 9 uh, after the quartals don comp finish on stage 9 Nairo Quintana is your overall race leader with Primoz Roglic breathing down his proverbial neck uh, 6 seconds back Miguel Angel Lopez 17 seconds back he wore red a little while uh, Alejandro Valverde, 20 seconds back. All four of those guys, they look like the four real contenders, two of them on the same team, which is extra exciting, particularly because it's the team that uh, always delivers the entertainment. It's that team. It's that team. It's the <laughs> Movistar team. Uh, so, yeah, it looks like four guys are your are your top favorites for this race right now, at least. Uh, we have a couple of big GC stages ahead in this quote-unquote second week, which starts with stage 10 on Tuesday, uh, one of which is going to be a time trial, which very much should put Primoz Roglic into the red jersey, uh, you would think, unless something happens. Of course, something did happen on stage one yeah. to Primoz Roglic and his Jumbo Visma teammates. Things have been happening all race uh, to make this a very interesting race so far. It has not followed the script. It's been thrilling while also staying close for the first nine stages. I think that's a pretty hard balance to find, and, and this race has found it. Again, from a fan POV, I, I think uh, I think there are, there are some teams who maybe have been on the wrong side of that balance, uh, specifically EF Education First, had a really terrible luck, basically crashed the, the better part of their GC squad out of the race. They still have some... Uh, they still have a good rider in there. They, they, they're, they're, they're a team that likes to mix things up, but it's, it's, I, I can't, it, it makes me, I feel guilty if I say, man, this has been exciting and well balanced, uh, without mentioning that there are still people who've lost out. I think those unfortunate EF riders were um, sacrifices at the altar of Sepp Van Marcus' first ever World Tour yeah! victory, which he took after a decade or more of trying at the, uh, pretend classic in Plouet this this weekend. So, at least they do have that thing to boost the morale of that team. I saw I saw that and I was like, hey, no one is going to notice this because it's yeah, exactly. not in April. Which is if a shame. If this were in April, it would be a huge deal. But. Which is a shame because it's a great race with a pretty strong start list there too. Uh, but yeah, at least EF had something good happen this weekend. It was a very hard weekend. It was tough to watch. So many other guys go down. It was yeah, it was it was pretty unfortunate for that whole team. And uh, Rigoberto Aran still recovering. He had a pretty serious injury after his crash. Yeah, not great. Uh, hopefully things will get a little bit better for that squad in the ensuing weeks. Uh, but yeah, there were there were a couple of guys that crashed on stage nine in the middle of the thrilling stage who who then actually continued to go on and, and have fine stages. Primoz Roglic. Uh, Miguel and Hannah Lopez both crashed on that stage uh, in the crazy hailstorm gravel experience that was the uh, 10 kilometers before the final climb in a stage that was maybe the fourth or fifth stage so far in this race that has had GC applications even only a little over a week in. Definitely. And I mean, it's it's interesting to see like how 
You know, they had this... Uh, do you think that that dirt would count as a downhill? Because there was definitely like a downhill bit to it. There was some, yeah. And I remember uh, some interviews with riders and how they feel about this sort of moving more dirt sections into the race. And most people are generally stoked with the universal admonition that they can't go down them. Yeah, and, and there was a pretty... Uh sharp downhill stretch towards the end of the gravel uh, section, which mostly was flat. But then right before the final climb, it was a downhill area. And there were some some sketchy corners on, on the gravel, understandably yeah. so, heading I mean, into it that wasn't, final climb. It wasn't really gravel anymore at that point. It was really yeah, it was just a river slop, of mud. you know? Yeah, yeah. Get out the file treads, man. It was... Um, no, I, speaking of Rolich, I think he's been... He's, he's my... I don't know if I'm jumping too far ahead here, but uh, he's been my guy that's really impressed... Uh, just kind of the way, and he's always been a pretty cool head, but the way he's managed the misfortune he's had so far, especially on a day like stage nine, where it's so short and so intense and every single mishap can be the end of your GC race. He really kind of, you know, put himself back together mentally very well after his, his moto incident on that gravel. And, you know, the, the, you know, the commentators are kind of watching the front of the race being like, oh, Rolich is out of it, Rolich is out of it. And he just sort of slowly worked his way back up into the race. And I don't know if that's the team management in the earpiece, if that's knowing he's got the time trial tomorrow, uh, if, if what that is, but the, you know, he's had, he has not had a great race. Like he came in on stage one and his whole team crashed. <laughs> like that's, uh, that's not a, a great way to start a grand tour. And yet here he is poised to take the lead and well positioned to defend it, uh, through the rest of the race. Yeah, I think it's also a, it's a testament to his mental strength and a testament to the strong team around him. We, we've been talking about Jumbo Visma growing into this team that might be able to challenge Ineos. Of course, they signed Tom Dumoulin, but a big part of that was the fact that they have these support riders that are very strong. Sepp Kuss and George Bennett, uh, having those guys around, yeah, it's good, pretty the nice. Good Sepp Kuss, the good Sepp Kuss showed up again for the Vuelta. He's been also very solid yeah. post-race interviews. He brings a nice a nice sense of humor to the, uh, the oh, yeah. general stock quotations I, I enjoy his uh, his post-race interviews immensely. All right. So I also wanted to hit a little bit on some of maybe the the rising stars. We we talked about how this race is often a launching pad for up-and-comers. And Tadej Pogacar definitely on track to be the breakout guy of this year's race. Of course, he won the Tour of California this May. He won stage nine pretty handily after dropping uh, Nairo Quintana and a very angry Mark Soler who was asked so to wait angry. for Quintana. Uh, understandable that he was angry, but also it doesn't look like he had any chance of winning considering how strong Pogacar was on the stage. Anyway, Pogacar already up into fifth overall, uh, showing no signs of slowing down. That That's I don't know. It's pretty good for for his team, considering he's only 20 years old. Uh, UAE has him under contract until 2023. That is a that is a nice signing for that team. Uh, another guy that I think has flown much more under the radar, Carl Frederick Hagen for Lotto Sudal in his first year at the World Tour. He's 27. He turns 28 this month. He's a Norwegian rider who's been on the Norwegian continental scene for a while now. Uh, he is up in sixth overall. After nine stages, uh, maybe a little bit of a late bloomer, but somebody to keep an eye on. I mean, that's pretty impressive for a guy who doesn't really have that many big results and really just hasn't had that many opportunities having ridden at the Joker Eikopal team down in the continental ranks. Uh, I think Lotto Sudo's got to be happy with this. It's not somebody that was highly touted uh, coming into this year. You know, the, the Norwegians are kind of like that. I think they, there's, I remember Tor Husov at one point very early in his career was kind of wondering what he wanted to do with racing the bikes. And, you know, he was on Crady Agricole, which was a, it was a good team, but it wasn't, you know, 
it wasn't the sort of like Team Sky sort of environment you see these days. And he it, at some point kind of had that epiphany uh, when he was on Cervelo, I think, uh, where he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a professional bike racer. I'm not going to, you know, this is my thing that I'm going to do. And I think you kind of get that when you move from those lower tiered squads to something really big and well organized like Lotto Sudol. Hopefully his strong ride will continue. I, I always like watching kind of the unheralded guys perform in this race. Uh, going back to the heralded guys, but in a different category, the sprinting so far, we've only seen two real sprint battles. Uh, Sam Bennett and Fabio Jakobsen each have a stage at this race. Uh, one thing I think is worth pointing out, you know, Bennett looks really strong, but I don't know how many opportunities he's going to have at this Vuelta. Uh, they, yeah. they missed out on some <laughs> opportunities in the first that. week and, the second week doesn't have a lot of clear sprint days. I mean, there's going to be a lot of work required to bring back some of these breakaways. And I, I just don't know that there are enough, uh, you know, five-star sprint talents and teams to do all that work. I mean, the, the parkour isn't helping. Like, even the things that would appear to be sprint days are still, you know, you've got like this little climb coming at the end or a series of little climbs coming at the end. And it, again, it's great watching, but I think the, the, certainly the sprinters and I think generally the rest of the peloton might want a day where they can just kind of ease off, let some guys who aren't dangerous get seven minutes and then bring them back for a, a group gallop where no one has to think too hard. Uh, it's, it's, it's a messy little race they've got going in Spain this year. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about the stages to come here, make some predictions about what we think is going to happen, uh, up until the next rest day. And then of course we can revise our GC predictions if we want to, uh, at the end of the show. So coming up on Tuesday, stage 10, as we've mentioned, it's a time trial. It's a time trialist friendly time trial 36.2 kilometers uh and it actually takes place in france even though we're watching the tour of spain uh they're dipping into france after having dipped into andorra it's a very international race uh i don't see anybody unseating primas roglic in this time trial i think he's going to win the tt and take the red jersey here yeah i'm with you there uh i it is an interesting time trial, and it looks the profile is not well represented. There's a fair amount of up and down in it, but if you look at the map, there's a lot of corners. Just like it's there are there's one or two straightaways along a, a river drainage, but it's it's really twisty, and so it's it's going to be more. If there were guys who were strong, uh, who weren't great technical time trialers, I I would say that they'd have a tough day here. But uh, Rolich is. It's pretty good at bikes, uh, at pedaling hard and at cornering well. So I imagine this is going to be right up his alley. Uh, stage 11, one of those days where if this were the tour, I think I'd say, yeah, it's a sprint stage. But here, with fewer sprinters and teams, uh, two categorized climbs in this stretch between kilometer like 116 and 143, there could be a breakaway that stays clear or a late attack that gets clear. Yeah, the, the yeah. final 30K is kind of flat, but... I don't know. It just seems like the, the way this belt has gone so far, I'm having a hard time picking this one for the sprinters. I mean, there's also a point sprint, like 11K out. <laughs> it's just a crazy profile. Like you're, you're having, it just makes it really tough for the, for the sprinters teams to kind of get organized, work that, that formula. There's not a lot of incentive for teams to kind of work with them to bring things back in the name of keeping things under control. If you're going to have all these crazy shakeups, you know, if I'm, if I'm EF, like I'm not working, I'm going to send a guy into the break or do something with, with all this irregularity. And I think it just makes it so hard for that traditional break catch sprint pattern. That's so yeah. common to cycling. 
It's very much a Vuelta stage. Um, I'm going to go with Nikias Arndt for this one. He took a win the other day uh, out of the breakaway, but in a sprint. And the thing that I like about Arndt is that he is a sprinter and he can absolutely win a sprint. Uh, he won a stage at the Giro a couple of years ago, albeit because it was taken away from Giacomo Nizzolo, but it was a sprint and he did finish very highly in the sprint. Uh, he won, the, I think, the first World Tour edition of the Cadell Evans uh, race down in Australia as well. So he's a guy that can handle some of these climbs. Maybe he gets another break. Maybe he takes it in a regular sprint. Uh, I like to hedge my bets here with this one. I'm going to arbitrarily pick Yetzi Bull. He, uh, he and the Burgos guys did some fun stuff earlier in the race. Uh, all right, stage 12, another lumpy finale, Cat 3, Cat 3, Cat 2, and then a downhill run to the finish uh, in Bilbao as the race kind of heads toward Spain's north coast. Another day that could be a breakaway kind of day or a late attacker. I like Alex Aranbaru from Caja Rural. Uh, he has had a fine race so far. Caja Rural has had a fine race so far. They've been up there. Uh, Aranbaru was second on the stage that aren't one, and he's a guy that can handle some climbs, can definitely sprint. Uh, yeah, I like him. I think I'm going to go with Rafael Micah here. Um, this is a guy who likes to mix things up. He hasn't been having the greatest tour, uh, Vuelta, I should say, from a GC perspective. So another chance for him to kind of remind the world he exists. All right. Uh, stage 13. This one, it's got, uh, you know, some climbs, quite a few of them, actually. One, two, three, four, five, six climbs into the category Especial finale at the uh, Los Machucos climb. It's definitely going to have GC implications. You know, the stage battle itself, you never really know whether that's going to come down to the break or not. But I, I like this one to go to the GC guys. I think they're going to race it hard. Uh, I like Nairo Quintana for this one. I, I think he's looked very strong. I, I think he's going to be able to put some time into the guys who, you know, find a 9.2% gradient challenging, which is most people. Uh, and this is uh, his kind of finish just goes straight up pretty much. I don't want to pick Quintana, but I'm going to pick Quintana. But I'll be really upset if Valverde wins it. I would have <laughs> picked him. But I, your reasons are my reasons when it comes to Quintana. Uh, stage 14, a uh, day that goes into Asturias, finishes in Oviedo, uh, hometown of Samuel Sanchez. There's a statue of him there. Uh, with huh. a Category 3 climb about uh, 23 kilometers from the finish, and then a flat finale. I think this should be a sprinter's day. I'm going with Sam Bennett. I'm also going to go with Sam Bennett. I, I I think the three, the Cat 3 climb will break things up. I think people will try stuff, but I think there's just, there's enough space afterwards that it'll come back together pretty reliably, and we'll see a standard-esque sprint. Stage 15 should be a good one. This is a pure mountain climber kind of day. There are four Category 1 climbs uh, on the stage, 154K from Tineo to Santuario de la Cebo. It's a stage that has uh, enough gradients to really put the herd in the legs early, and then a final climb with an average gradient of 7.1% for 8.2 kilometers. Uh, it's the kind of climb that's going to hurt, and I think it's the kind of climb that's going to favor the pure climbers again. So I'll mix it up a little bit here and go with uh, Lopez. I think Miguel Angel Lopez looks pretty strong, and he should be recovered from his bumps and bruises that he sustained uh, in the gravel solo ride yesterday. So I like him here. I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Esteban Chavez. I'm gonna say out of the break. I think uh, I think t the stage following the stage is too intimidating. 
I think people will finally have to take their foot off the gas some point in the Svelta, and I think it's going to be this day. I like it. All right, stage 16, no rest for the weary. The uh, final day here before the rest day is another major GC day. Uh, it's 144K, so not that long. But there are two Category 1 climbs before an Especial finale, the Alto de la Cubia, which hits up over 5,000 feet, 1690 meters, a little bit of altitude there. And it's a long, long climb uh, with uh, an average gradient of 6.2% over 17.8K. I like Roglic to take this one. I mean, it's a it's a big climb. I, I think his Yumbo Visma squad's going to hit it pretty hard and uh, put some pressure on the other riders. I don't think it's steep enough to provide a launching pad necessarily for some of the purer climbers. Uh, so I, I kind of like Roglic to to get up there with everybody and then maybe put in a late attack for the win. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, like like you said, it's not that steep. It's not gonna. It's not going to rip things up. It's not going to be very punchy and snappy, I don't think. And uh, as we saw, um, as we saw on uh, Sunday, right? It was Sunday. Yes, as we saw on Sunday, uh, Rolich is a guy who can really ride the climb for its full length. Like he he came back, kind of pacing himself from when he got back on the bike to the top of that climb. Like he is not a guy who's kind of in the moment of every change in pitch and grade. He rides these things like time trials, and a climb like this is absolutely perfect for that style. Now, one thing that is interesting about this finale, uh, <laughs> it's one of those categorized climbs that has its own long run-in that is not categorized, but is still uphill. Essentially, they're going to be climbing for the last 34 kilometers. as a long time to be going uphill, uh, and, and I think the kind of finish that you could see some guys just blow up pretty early and therefore lose a lot of time, which will be, uh, yeah, an entertaining way to head into the second rest day uh, and th- therefore the second opportunity to catch uh, a mid-race recon ride. Uh, before we get there, <laughs> let's make some predictions, though, or revise our predictions maybe for the final podium. Uh, what do you think? Are you, you going to stick with your initial pick or are you going to make some changes? I still, I still like Rolich for the win. He's looking like the guy I thought he would look like, which makes me super happy. Um, kind of bummed to see Krauswick go out, but what are you going to do? Yeah, I, I, I think Quintana's looking really good. I, I, I still want to pick Valverde because he's also looking really good, but it, it's Movistar, so who knows? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put, I'll put Quintana in second, and yeah, why not Valverde in third? It's, it's Movistar. <laughs> uh, I liked Lopez to win the race when we last talked. But Roglic and his team have looked very strong, even if they haven't maybe had the week that they've wanted. I think they've shown that they have the strength. And I do expect Roglic to take a a nice lead here. Uh, I guess I'm going to go with Roglic to take the win. Lopez in second, Nairo Quintana in third. All right, so I guess we will uh, be able to revise one last time here uh, after our next and final Vuelta España show on the second rest day. So be sure to come back and, and listen for that. But in the meantime, I hope you can catch the next week of racing here at the Vuelta. If the first nine stages have been any indication, the next couple of days of racing should be plenty entertaining. It's been a it's been a real thriller so far. It's been it has not disappointed uh for the fans. As you pointed out, I think there are some disappointed riders in uh well, multiple EF guys, Stephen Kreiswick, just to name a few. But as a as a spectacle, the race has certainly delivered. Hopefully it'll continue to do so. I hope you've enjoyed the show. This has been 
The Recon Ride. I'm Dane Cash. And I'm Cosmo Catalano. And that's our show. <laughs>